Macro Podcast number 411 for June 11th, 2014, brought to you by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow, send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com, learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com slash macworld. And Kello Concerts, the world's largest collection of full-length HD concerts and music documentaries. Welcome to another Macro Podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and of course, my co-host is... Hello, Serenity Caldwell here on the lovely Massachusetts coastline. Yes, yes, and also in California as well. So we know it's nice that the the country is bookend with beautiful weather. <laughs> it's uh, true. It's a little little muggy today. Really? Yo, that's right. I made you close your window to make make it sound better. So, ah, you're sweltering. That's what's going no! on. No! Mm-hmm. Hopefully we won't swelter too much while we talk about the exciting Apple news uh, this week, which is really more the exciting Apple news from last week, talking about it again this week. Right, because when we did our last podcast, it was very shortly after the keynote, and I think we were both going, oh, oh my, oh, look at that, look at that, look at that, look at that. It's very exciting. Now, we've had a, about a week to calm down a little bit, uh, although I think it's still pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's very exciting. Um, I have lots and lots of uh, lists of things to check out when the when the OS is officially released. I will definitely be installing the public beta. Um, I may or may not have installed a developer beta on my phone, which well, you, is maybe not the best of ideas. But you well, on your primary phone, you uh, you did that. I can neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) This is because Lex Friedman left a note somewhere saying (laughs) someone on staff must do this. And someone must. Yeah, because yeah, for people who don't know, that's what Lex used to do. Um, The newest thing would come out. He would install it on his primary device. So even if he was away from home and he had like one or two devices to work with, those would get the developers preview, you know, as well as betas. And then we'd hear from him saying, well, I can't do this because it's broken <laughs> okay at lex ipod touch have you thought of purchasing one of those maybe to do this sort of thing but um, no he, he dove in with both feet and apparently there's somebody else on staff who has as well yes well i actually i i joined lex last year in uh, in installing ios 7 on my phone uh, which proved to be a very fun and very terrifying experience, uh, but apparently not quite so terrifying that I wasn't willing to do it this year because uh, it may have happened again uh-huh. um, with with mostly positive results. Well, this is the I think this is still one of those do not try this at home things because yes, exactly. This is one of those unless you are okay with your phone breaking half of the time uh do not install early betas early betas even if the early betas are mostly solid with the apple system software uh developers have not had a chance to test their apps against these betas so apps that you use very regularly will probably be broken under the beta and as such um if you need those apps, maybe you shouldn't be using the beta and also not leaving angry reviews for your developers to fix their apps, which they can't in a week from seeing a new beta of software. Right. Well, I had a dream that I had um, installed the beta on a couple of different devices, a Mac beta <laughs> and a 
And in iOS beta, and a lot of stuff was broken in this dream. And uh, if that those were my primary devices, I would be weeping now. But fortunately, it was just a dream, and so I have just a dream awoken. <laughs> and my primary devices still have the uh, current software on them, and they seem to be working just fine. So, um, you know, advice out there for those folks <laughs> All's who might well and them. good. Yes. Um, anyway, so I thought maybe today we could do, um, given that we have some, um, we've had some time to think about this stuff, that we run through our list of top five features. Now that we've thought about them, we've had a chance to look into some of the things that are going on here. I, I'll, with the caveat that these top five features are in no particular order, so I'm not sure that that really works. But the idea, uh, we'll each grab five features and talk about them and what we think is interesting about them. So why don't you lead off? All right. Well, um, in the features talk about last week, I'll, I'll mention briefly the feature that I was gushing over last week, continuity, and it's sort of so it's a child feature handoff. Uh, I think that this is going to be a huge opening for Apple's next 20, 30 years of development. Uh, I think being able to take the device and and make it more about, again, even more about what's the content on the device and being able to seamlessly find the right place uh, for what you're working on is huge. Um, and I hope it will stop the articles that are like, can you use your iPhone as your primary computer? Uh, because uh, with continuity, assuming that it works, you know, as as described, you won't have to. If you have an, if you have multiple devices, uh, it's really really opening things up for uh, for you to work seamlessly between them, and for people who don't have multiple devices, it's incentive to get multiple multiple devices, and it also paired with some of the new developer tools that uh, that Apple is offering, uh, the new APIs, it's going to make it even easier for Apple to say release devices that might have bigger screen sizes or devices that go in different areas of your home, not mentioning any names, um, or devices that you could potentially wear on your wrist <laughs> uh, if, if you can bounce things from, from one place to another. Um, the, the one thing that I wanted to mention about continuity uh, is that though they haven't talked about specifics about how, how this feature works, my guess is it's going to tap into Bluetooth LE, which is the same thing like there's an app called Knock, uh, where you use your iPhone to unlock your Mac, um, and that used a Bluetooth LE connection. And unfortunately, LE is only available for certain computers uh, made after a certain time because it requires Bluetooth 4. Uh, so the one the one downside I'm I'm thinking about continuity is that it may uh, it may not show up for those of us with older devices. Right, I think a lot of this is forward looking. Um, that they're kind of planting their flag at this point and saying, in you know, as we move forward, this is going to work this way. And I I think a lot of this, if we go back to iOS seven and iCloud and um, and then into Mavericks and and the OS before it, I think this is all a kind of shows a change in philosophy. When we talked about the digital hub years ago, it was all about the computer being the central focus of your computing life. And now I think it's all about your stuff, where you have different windows on, on your different devices. And I think this is the next step. So that as you so uh, correctly put it in your story about continuity, it's about using the right device for the right job. 
so that if you're here on this little device and it isn't best for doing that, then you just seamlessly switch over to the bigger device to do it on there. Or if something's better for a mobile device, you take it off your Mac, you just swipe it over, and then it's on that mobile device. So um, I think this is the other shoe dropping in this stuff-focused um, scheme that Apple has been developing over the uh, over the years. Yeah, very much so. Um I, uh, I'm really excited to see how that how it progresses um, and how it's going to look. Uh, and uh, I uh, yeah, I, I, I said a lot about it last week, so I won't ramble on too much. Uh, Chris, what was your one of your favorite features that uh, was announced this week? Um, I think as I said last week, um, extensions in iOS. We've talked uh, many times on the podcast about the clunky way that one works on, on iOS devices because of the way they're sandboxed, that a document belongs to a certain app and you have to work in it there. And then if you want to take it into a different app, you have to go into the share menu and say open in, and then you try to find an app that works with it. And hopefully you do find it. You make another copy. It goes over there. You work on it and then you have to take it back again to the original thing which seems very primitive considering what we can do on the Mac and have been able to do for years. Um, Apple has talked about this in terms of security. Yes, your documents are much more secure if they belong to a particular app. But moving them between apps is clumsy. And let's face it, not all apps have the features that you want. So the ability now for one app to talk to another app through the iOS and that you can add features directly within the application you're working in, as they showed in, uh, during the keynote, for example, applying a photo filter using Waterlog within the Photos app, for example, which is smart because that's exactly where you want to use it. Um, these various techniques for adding functionality to existing apps from other apps, I think is so the way it should have been. And I'm glad that, that Apple realized that. I think maybe one of the themes of a lot of the iOS stuff is... We get it. We know that was clumsy. We're doing what we can to make it work better than it used to. And um, and I think that was seen to be the premise for a number of these features. A lot of things that people were complaining about now should work in a way that we're accustomed to coming from a computer background. Yeah. And I think uh, actually extensions to me, not only does it represent a huge shift in sort of Apple's viewing of the iOS platform, you know, before it was I, iOS has uh, since from the beginning, very focused on security, very focused on being closed until it needs to be until it can probably be opened. We saw it with multitasking, you know, multitasking with limited background features, and then background features got sort of opened up. And I think the same thing is kind of happening with extensions, where extensions, this is kind of the first shot across the bow into making third-party apps able to talk to one another and talk to default Apple apps. And they've got specific categories, like what you said with the photo filters. Third-party keyboards is another example. And they've managed to figure out a way to do this while still keeping the sanctity and the safety of the iOS platform, which is really, really awesome. Um, they've worked really hard to you know, put sandboxing into place and all of that and, and figuring out a way to have third-party apps share information without compromising your potentially compromising your device is huge. Uh, in addition to that, uh, right now, as I said, there are, there are limited limited slots that you can put your sort of extensions into, or your actions, uh, or your uh, your widgets in the notification center. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that uh, th- that list expand more generously in future versions of iOS too. Again, it's it's Apple. It's been Apple's uh, Apple's path to kind of experiment with a couple things here and there, and then slowly open the doors. Yeah, I hope that happens because I talked to a lot of developers last week who were very excited about this, but at the same time a little. Uh, hesitant because not knowing, well, I wonder if my stuff can get in there. And, you know, naturally, we had a lot of questions for people that were doing this sort of thing. Like, is there going to be a way to include one password or text expander in um, in Safari and other apps that we want to use? And, you know, naturally, these developers are all interested in, in getting that kind of functionality. Uh, and they were learning as much as they could about it at the time. So I hope that this indicates that Apple really is serious about this and wants to give us as much flexibility as makes sense um, so that we feel more empowered by our devices instead of hemmed in by them. Um, at this point, I would like to break for a moment to speak about Citrix's share file. It turns out that we're a trusting species. The constant flow of information is crucial to business. We send contacts and spreadsheets, invoices, and other important business files, but we send them as regular email attachments with no reliable means to ensure that they've been received or reviewed or that they're safe on the way. The problem is that you lose control the moment you've hit send, and that's why you need Citrix's share file. It's the easy-to-use business solution for sending, receiving, and sharing files. With ShareFile, your attachments are sent as secure links. You can send files of almost any size, and we're talking about files up to 5 gigabytes without worrying about bounce backs. They're always under your control. You decide who has access to your files and for how long. You receive notifications telling you who opens your file and when, plus you can password protect files for optimal security. Then you can easily share files and collaborate with others. And ShareFile mobile apps allow you to access your files anywhere, anytime. I often create media files, sometimes videos and other times audio. These are large files that aren't going to go through a normal email gateway. In such cases, I routinely turn to ShareFile to send my files. Plus, in the case of important files, I can be asked to be sent a notification, and that helps me keep track of who's received it and when. This is something you'll want to check out. To do so, sign up today for a 30-day free trial, no obligation. Go to sharefile.com, click the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter Macworld. Remember, visit sharefile.com and type in Macworld. And we're back. Uh, Ren, how about um, feature number two? Feature number two. Well, there's there's a lot. Uh, I have to say, I'm actually really, really excited for Mail Drop, which is kind of a minor feature that they mentioned during the keynote um, that basically allows you to send any file up to five gigabytes through your email and have the person on the other end receive it. Uh, I work with a lot of designers on the roller derby side for making like posters and things like that. And until now, we've had to use third-party file sharing services to send like videos back and forth or Photoshop documents back and forth or Dropbox or Cloud App. You know, it's just, it's been a lot of uh, half half-hearted, put-together solutions for uh, uh, what ideally we just like to be able to send back and forth an email. And MailDrop basically allows you to drop an up to five gigabytes document into your email. And when you send, um, you can basically 
go and uh, the the computer takes over and will send your file over to the other person, either showing up right in their email if they're on a Mac or um, will send them a link that they can click and download from Safari, which I, I just I think is so cool. And it simplifies a, a problem that I'm sure many people have had. I know it's for podcasting too. This is going to be huge. Like how many times, Chris, um, do we have to be like, all right, we'll send you the file through Dropbox or through like three different different services and putting it all together? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I dropped Dropbox a while ago for purely personal reasons. And so that complicated my life. And when I heard about MailDrop, I thought, oh, good, this is something that's going to make my life much easier in that now you can simply send me, you know, if you're sending me your files for editing or something like that, all you do is send me an email message. And I think this all just works through um, iCloud Drive, which is going to be my next feature to talk about. But that if I have mail, it looks transparent to me. What's really happening, I think, is that when you email that file, it ends up in iCloud and it sits there until I retrieve it transparently instead of sending me to a folder or some kind of cloud, it makes it look like it's local to me and then and then brings it down. Otherwise, if I use a third-party client, which I do, I use Outlook, um, I'll get that link, click on it. Again, I don't have to visit anybody's cloud service. It just downloads to me as I like. So maybe it'll move me to mail finally. Um I'll see what else they've done with it and uh, and see if I can do something about the filtering because that's why I stick with Outlook. But um, but I really like the idea of MailDrop. It may be that I'll just use it solely for um, – use Mail solely to, to send people large files in this way. But um, <laughs> but looks good. Yeah, don't just check your email. No, it makes a, it makes a lot of sense. What's, yeah. your, what's your next feature? Um, well, I was going to talk about iCloud Drive because I think that's tied into it. And this is yet another one of those things where we said, really? Okay, so we'll have to use Dropbox or we're going to use Box.net or, you know, refer to one of our sponsors, ShareFile, to to move big files around. Um, It's nice that iCloud Drive is also bringing to us um, something akin to a real file system for iOS so that now instead of just syncing Apple-approved apps and data that happens to work from third parties with iCloud. I can put anything in iCloud Drive so that I've worked on my iPad. I can throw whatever it is I'm working with into iCloud Drive, move to my Mac, have access to that data through iCloud Drive, very much as I do now with Dropbox. What I would love to see in it, and I have to think they're working on it, is that Dropbox or Box or Google-like feature where I can send a link to that file or I can say, I've created this folder full of stuff. I want to share this with Serenity. Please allow me to do that. As far as I know, you can't do that with iCloud Drive. Rather, this is intended for you. And their sort of backdoor way of doing it is through MailDrop. Um, I'd like a more direct method so that I don't necessarily want to email somebody, but rather go into my iCloud Drive as represented by an icon, which sounds very much like the old mobile B drives we had. Uh, click on a folder, share this with serenity and uh, and then you just have access to it you could throw things into that box take them out again if you like to so fingers crossed for a uh, part two of that feature for sure i'm uh i'm intrigued about icloud drive because i am a dropbox subscriber and i currently pay money for dropbox and i would certainly like to just pay all of the money to apple and have them 
especially with the Photos app and iCloud Photo Library, going to be able to back up all of your photos. I would love to pay money to iCloud uh, to be like, please back up all of these things. Uh, but I can't separate myself from Dropbox without shared link support, like you were saying, mm-hmm. and also selective sync for folders. Uh, that's something that Dropbox does very well. They have an advanced option that's like, only sync these these folders with this Mac or you know, only show these folders on this device. And that's, for me, that's really, really important because, of course, uh, the way that Dropbox and iCloud Drive works is that it stores a local copy of all of the folders on your computer. And when I use Dropbox to keep, say, my MacBook Air in sync, I can't have everything that's on my Dropbox on my MacBook Air because it would explode my Mm -hmm. MacBook Air. I would have no space. Uh, So I like being able with Dropbox to say, oh, I'm just syncing these five folders. And, you know, it's possible that iCloud Drive will have some form of that with, you know, only only sync uh, folders from these uh, these applications. But what happens if you have folders that are not directly linked to applications? And, you know, I, I would just I, I hope that a feature like that either makes its way in this year or in future years with iCloud Drive. Right. And I also give them credit for pricing that um, you get yes. you get five gigabytes for free, which is fine. I mean, it's OK. Actually, it's not OK. It's not enough. But. Um, okay, we'll just say for normal people, five gigs may be enough for casual document swapping. However, they have a number of price points, unlike Dropbox, which charges you a hundred bucks a year to get a, I think it's a hundred gigabytes. Um, and they don't have these sort of incremental things as Apple does. So very inexpensively, you can increase your storage in a very reasonable way. So I, I think they were smart about the pricing on it. It would be great. Yes, if it were free, but it's not. But at least they're not – it doesn't seem like they're gouging you or forcing you into purchasing a higher capacity plan when you don't need it. So um, points to them for that. Uh, how about another one? Oh, boy. Let's see. What else is on my list? Um, the camera improvements for iOS 8 and the APIs I think are really, really cool. Right. They didn't um, talk about those during the keynote, but some information has come out on it, right? Yeah, um, it's hiding hiding out on the on the key, in the keynote on the iOS eight slide. They mention oh, a camera gets getting some manual manual APIs uh, for things like exposure and focus, and also the camera app is getting separate controls for exposure and focus, which is a huge boon for those of us who have been using third party apps to do that rather than having to just rely on one focus point for both the exposure and the focus of the camera. Um, in addition to that, uh, sort of teased on Apple's website, is a new time-lapse feature coming at least to the iPhone 5S, and we'll see if it comes to any of the older devices. And um, it looks like that works by taking a movie and then chopping that movie up uh, to create a series of still-life uh, photographs that just go really, really quickly so it looks like you're you're seeing something in time-lapse. And that's really neat. It's something that uh, a bunch of third-party apps have had for a while now, and I'm excited to see that it's actually popping up in Apple's default camera app. That's pretty pretty nifty. And there's a self-timer now, which is also pretty pretty cool for people who want to take, like, back-facing selfies? Is that a thing? <laughs> backsies? Backsies. No backsies. Yeah. No, no backsies. No, no backsies. Uh, but that's, you know, a, a lot of really nice, uh, nice software features. And given... Apple's uh, propensity to add new camera features with new versions of hardware. I imagine that 
When or if the iPhone is revved this year, we may see a couple more added to that list. Yeah, I think it's going to be exciting. There are websites in the world, and I know this will be a shock to you as well as the listeners, Ren, um, who actually publish stuff that is should be under NDA. I have visited no. such as... Yes, yes, yes. There are those people. Shame on you, all of you. Except the one who actually shot a video of the time-lapse feature, because it's spectacular. Um, I'm, I'm assuming this really was shot with an iPhone 5S, as it said, but it looks great. Um, if you've seen, you know, time-lapses of, of traffic moving or buildings going up or the sun going down and lights coming on, it's... Um, it looks great. And I, you know, not everybody in the world is going to use it. They may use this a couple of times a year. I mean, they're certainly going to use it the first day because it really is kind of a cool looking thing. But um, again, not something that Apple needed to do, but it's such a sweet little feature to have on there um, that I expect we're going to see YouTube and all kinds of social networking services explode with time lapse videos for a couple of weeks. And then hopefully it'll. Um, It'll slow down after that, but um, it'll all fade away. It will all fade, it'll, but it's going to be so popular for for a little bit of time. But people can do some interesting things with it. So, um, you know, even here in this in this early beta uh, version, it looks good. So, um, good on you for doing that, Apple. Assuming it survives, you know. But fingers crossed. Uh, fingers what about crossed. what's your next what's your next pick, Chris? Um, I am going to talk about AirDrop across platforms. There isn't much to say about that except, thank God, it seemed crazy. And, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not an Apple developer, so I don't know how hard this is. But the idea that you have AirDrop on the Mac, oh, yeah, I can AirDrop from my Mac to your Mac. And you could AirDrop on iOS devices. Let me AirDrop this file to you from my phone to your iPad. Uh, how about if I would like you to AirDrop from my Mac to my iOS device? No, you cannot do that. Why? It's too complicated. You just can't do it, so don't ask. Well, now apparently it's not too complicated, and you will be able to do that. There have been so many times that I'm working on something on my iPhone or my iPad, and I'm sitting right in front of my Mac, and I want to move a file across easily. And you end up doing things like emailing files to yourself, which is crazy. If I'm taking a screenshot here, do I really want to do that? No, what I'd really like to do is pull up a network very quickly, drop it, drop the image across, and it just happens. So um, obvious thing to have happen. I'm really glad they did. And again, this is another one of those features where I felt like this is harder than it needs to be. And Apple sort of ticked off that checkbox and said, yep, now you can do that too. Yeah, I think that's that's really awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad that it was implemented. I have anything beyond that to say. It's just like, yay, thank God. Yeah, AirDrop. it's just a yay feature. <laughs> it's it's not yeah. it's gonna make our lives a little bit easier. Um and and again, where people saw it during the keynote, they went, Oh yay! And everybody said yay at the same time. Uh it was a bingo box to check off. <laughs> it was, and it was a good one too. It was right there near the center. Um, mm -hmm. Before we go on to more features, I'd like to take another break. And this time we're gonna talk about Lynda.com. I'm in the enviable position of being a lynda.com author. And so, having seen the company's work from inside and out, I can enthusiastically endorse the things it does. Like what? Well, it has a catalog of over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses with new content added every day. Courses have a wide breadth from material appropriate for beginners on up to pros. 
It's easy to find what you need, and if you need to brush up on a particular creative software or business skill, there's a very good chance that you're going to find the course you need. Mac users will be particularly interested in Final Cut Pro 10 Essential Training, iMovie 11 Essential Training, iOS 7, iPhone, and iPad Essential Training, Mavericks Essential Training, and my very own iPad Tips and Tricks, and iPad for Business. What else? You name it. Excel, Photoshop, PowerPoint, marketing fundamentals, management tips, videography, audio recording, web development, app development, time management, and so much more. Plus, you can watch from your computer, your tablet, or any other mobile device. Being on the inside, I can testify without fear of contradiction that lynda.com gets it. They care passionately about the content and quality of their courses. The video looks and sounds great, and it's been eyeballed six ways to Sunday to make sure that it's exactly the kind of content you need for your work and play. Personally, I've been spending a fair amount of time watching Ben Long's photography courses, as well as delving into the details of Logic Pro 10. Both have helped me enormously. Really, Lynda.com's work is outstanding, but you can see for yourself. Visit lynda.com slash Macworld and sign up for a free seven-day trial that grants you access to its entire library. Now, if you could manage to go without sleep for those 168 hours, you can come out the other end a Photoshop, Final Cut Pro, iOS, OS X expert. Again, that's lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A dot com forward slash Macworld to start your free seven-day trial. All right. So uh, now that we've heard that lovely advertisement, Chris, for lynda.com, um, I wanted to pick up actually on a uh, continuation on my uh, camera theme with uh, the new and improved Photos app uh, in uh, in iOS 8 and also the the I, you can't really call it rumored because it was previewed, the Photos app on, uh, on OS 10. I think that's pretty, pretty rad, right? I'm saying pretty a lot, but like I, I really – of all of the uh, of all of the new features and tidbits introduced about the software updates, uh, I'm really excited for a lot of them because I, I see them all as making my life a, a lot easier. And, and the Photos app is one of those, and and the uh, iCloud Photo Library. It I have been asking and begging for Apple to you know store more than a thousand photos in our in our libraries, and Apple has said, oh yes. Yes, that uh, that will be able to happen, and uh, it only comes at the downside of having to pay for that storage. You know, beforehand, your photo stream for free stored the last thousand photos in your library, which is pretty cool. Um, it stored it in in the cloud without you having to pay for it or without it counting against your iCloud storage. But if you want to do the iCloud photo library, it will count against your storage. So you need to actually buy some extra stuff. But it comes at the plus side of you being able to store everything, any photo that you take on your device. And also, it seems, although I can't can't confirm, but it seems like the camera roll is gone and that everything is just one giant cloud-based photo library that presumably stores, you know, a certain amount of photos on your device, but also stores them in the cloud so that when you make changes on one photo, it automatically syncs to the other. When you delete a photo, you don't have to worry about deleting that photo in five other places as uh, photo stream was wont to want to offer. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when photos on the Mac comes out, uh, we're going to have potentially access to upload our entire Mac photo libraries rather than having to keep them locally on our devices. And I I just, I just think that's amazing. Now, 
it does seem interesting to me that Apple would create a Photos app for the Mac when they already have iPhoto. And I wonder if... I th- yeah. <laughs> Do you think this is a response like, to iPhoto? I mean, where it just goes... Yeah. I think iPhoto's dying. Yeah, I think iPhoto's time is done. Um, they, the Photos app on iOS already seems to be implementing a lot of what made iPhoto on iOS very special. And the preview of the Photos app on the Mac seems to be the same way. We're talking about yawn. We're talking about uh, a way, another way for us to store photos, right? And it seems very odd to me that we'd have both the Photos app and iPhoto. So I, I'm, I'm, I want to think that uh, that iPhoto is either going away or they're going to use the name for something different. I hope so. I think people have been complaining since day one about iPhoto's performance. Yes, it does a lot of things, but man, if you have a lot of photos. It can be really slow. And um, as much as they've tried to make photos easier to find by tagging them and, and uh, creating albums and, and places and, and many ways to search for stuff, I think people still tend to view it as a big shoebox that they have to rifle through in order to find their stuff. Because let's face it, most people aren't terribly organized. So rather than throwing in 100 photos and spending an hour tagging them with keywords and and doing all the right things it goes yeah i'll just dump it off my thing and there uh, and then a year later when you're looking for that image now you've got twenty thousand images you have to go through because you're an enthusiastic picture taker so i would not be sorry to see iphoto disappear maybe bump up some of its features to aperture give aperture a really strong second look um apple is kind of put it out there and then sort of said, yeah, we still have Aperture somewhere. But when Adobe's doing so many things with Lightroom and Aperture just seems to sort of sit there, I I do hope that, that Apple goes beyond something like a Photos app and, and really makes the really high-powered one and, and do Aperture, the return of Aperture awesomeness. Um, or... Maybe not. Maybe they just leave it to Adobe and say, yeah, Lightroom's really good, so use that instead. Yeah, I mean, we may we may still see some movement with with uh, Aperture. We haven't really heard much about Pro Apps recently, have we? No. And, and Logic got an update. Final Cut Pro got a major update. Who's to say that we won't see Aperture X sometime soon? Right. Now, let's talk, I want to just take a sidebar here and, and talk a little bit about splitting off an app from something else and simplifying it. Do you think maybe this could be important of what may come with iTunes? Oh, man, I hope so. <laughs> uh, we, you know, we didn't really see anything. Oh, God, iTunes is such a bloated mess right now. But, I mean, we, you know, the more and more of our iOS devices are being activated on the device and not having to sync via iTunes. We're talking about all of our music is now theoretically can be synced with the cloud. Our photos can all be synced with the cloud. Our apps can all be synced with the cloud. There's very little to sync with iTunes anymore. Um, And we didn't, despite seeing a new iTunes icon during the keynote, we did not hear anything about iTunes, nor did we really hear anything about Apple's Beats acquisition beyond a phone call with Dr. Dre. Uh, So it's entirely possible that... uh, that we might hear of a fall music event in the you know in the up near future. Who knows? Yeah, I know we will certainly hear of a fall music event because they always do one. But it would be <laughs> nice if they're willing to look at iPhoto. And you know, this is all conjecture, of course. But if they're going to throw iPhoto off the bridge, 
maybe they're looking at iTunes as well and saying, okay, this has served us well for long enough, but we use it too, and it is bloated, and it's difficult to find your stuff, and organizing things is more trouble than it should be. Over on iOS, we have the music app that really is just about showing you your music and playing it. Um, we also have a videos app. Maybe we split that out on the Mac as well. Well, maybe. I I think there are a lot of things that iTunes does that are very powerful that I would hate to see disappear entirely. And I'm not quite sure how they do this by making four apps instead of just one. But um, But I do think that this may be a hint that iTunes is finally in uh, – there's a huge – update coming to the thing in a way that simplifies it so that normal people can feel good about using it so your stuff stays organized instead of it suddenly getting all jumbled up again. Um, at this point, I want, because you know we've sort of been holding hands and saying, isn't this all going to be awesome? And I've seen a lot of that in the press lately about how everybody's very, very positive about the keynote and everything that has been promised to it. And I think with is important to bring up at this point is that this is all great if it works. And uh, it's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. And we had sort of this love fest around iCloud when that came out. And people said, yes, finally, Apple is going to do cloud services right. And they didn't. So much more of this stuff now depends on technologies like iCloud, like devices talking to each other through syncing. This is hard stuff. And Apple's had some difficulty with it in the past. So my fingers are crossed that it all does work as beautifully as it said it, you know, as they promised it would in the keynote. But it's also possible that we will be visiting iCloud 2, where some things do work beautifully and other things are still like, yeah, that's still not where it should be. Um, I hope it's the former versus the latter. But before we get too carried away, um, you know, we've seen this movie before where things look like they're going to be awesome. And then they are less awesome than um, than we expected them to be. You're not going to disagree with me. Our listeners want us to disagree. <laughs> it's true. Well, at least one listener. I at least I want <laughs> I want it to all succeed. And I think Apple's cloud services. I'll actually get up and, and defend Apple's cloud services because I think they've been doing a lot of good work behind the scenes to make their cloud services a heck of a lot more stable than they've been in the past. I mean, people complain a lot about messages, but when you look at the numbers that Tim Cook puts up regarding messages, it's actually pretty impressive that that service does not collapse under the sheer <laughs> weight of craziness. I mean, you're talking about billions and billions of messages sent a day, and I'm pretty sure it's the most, like, I know Snapchat sends something like a billion messages a day or something ridiculous like that, uh, but I'm pretty sure Apple still holds, is like the number one or number two message sender and receiver in the entire world, uh, which is a pretty big, uh, big mantle to pull up. And then also, when you think about the networks that they're sending it over, that they're sending it to multiple devices, that they're they're trying to soon they'll be um, intercepting SMS text messages from cell lines and projecting that uh, via Wi-Fi onto your onto your Mac. Like there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of behind the scenes work that goes into that, and the like the messages sync is not perfect, but given how mu- like how monumental of a task that's been. The fact that it works at all is pretty impressive to me. 
And you could argue that, yes, if you, if you have a feature publicly available to people, it should be 100% perfect. Um, but there are always going to be scaling issues. God knows. Uh, Twitter and the fail whale, you know, Facebook's always had scaling issues. Um, I think that Apple's in a lot better control of their cloud issues than they used to be. They still got some work to do. It's not, it's not by any means perfect. Uh, but I don't think that they would take the step and, you know, put out handoff and continuity and seamless airdrop and stuff like that if they weren't sure that they could deliver at least a comfortable experience, if not a perfect experience. And then, you know, the perfect experience, that's that's something to work on. I had a was talking to, to Dan Warren about, you know, it seems odd that they're still only offering five gigabytes of free iCloud storage space because – you know, five gigs is nothing, and it would really hurt them that much to offer 20 because they're only going to charge a dollar a month for 20. And my thought was, well, yeah, but think about, you know, if if there are hundreds of thousands of iOS devices and Mac devices, Macs in the world, um, what's going to happen if every single one of those people needs 20 gigabytes of free cloud storage space? Like, that's that's you want to talk about a lot of data to to sync for free. Um, and to deal with that's a little a little intimidating if I if I were the manager of Apple's cloud farm, um, so I uh, I think they are being a little bit smart about scaling this time and and really sort of watching out and uh, approaching projects that they think that they can properly tackle and not trying to do too much too soon. Of course, we'll see with <laughs> iOS eight. It could be you know. Could be iOS 8 comes out and everything's broken. All the things are broken. Well, we but, uh, I, I choose to have hope. Yeah. I choose to have hope. I, I hope as well. Although when when Craig Federighi came in and he said, okay, you know, we all love messages. And I, it's a good thing he didn't pause after that because I think there would have been a room full of people saying, no, we hate messages. It doesn't work right. Uh, and then he said, and we're going to add more features to it. And I just thought, wow, you know, I would be happy if the current features worked as the way they're supposed to. Um, all those, although actually I think this is on your list of, of messages, uh, was on your list of things that you, uh, are excited about. So actually rather than me just harp on the thing and, and say, I don't like it, <laughs> why don't you tell me what's going to be better beyond the fact that it, it's going to work? Yeah, well, I I do think they're working on some underlying infrastructure uh, elements to messages, but I like uh, they've just they've made a, a couple of really nice improvements to how the app works on iOS and and the Mac, which I think is is rather rather interesting. Um, the new tap to talk feature is a little crazy, uh, in that I have I I may or may not have sent a lot of accidental uh, tap to talk. Uh, while you maybe leaving an leaving a messages screen open and brushing your thumb against the the microphone button and holding it down accidentally uh, that definitely some awkward random audio messages it has the potential to do but um, sending audio messages I think will actually be a really a really neat way to communicate with someone and people may look at that and say well why don't you just call them why if you want to talk over the phone then talk on the phone but uh a lot of us, you know, we're, we're busy, we're running from place to place, and we don't have time for a five-minute conversation, but we can definitely have time for 30 seconds of chat, you know, singing a, a little tune to our friend and sending it to them, or uh, recording a message because you can't type because you're in the car. Uh, and I, like, 
I think there are a lot of use cases there that, that people may not entirely realize. And it's, it's telling that that button gets very prominent placage in the new messages screens. You know, it's replaced the grayed out send button with the idea that uh, voice memo is the number one thing that you can, you can pick and choose. Uh, in addition to that, they've made it a lot easier to send photos. They, uh, they stole a, or took a, in a nod from Tweetbot, they have the last photo taken mm-hmm. um, that you can choose. And actually, it's not quite just last photo taken. They actually have a, a photo gallery of, of all of your previous photos, which is pretty cool. So you can kind of pick pick one to send. And you can pick multiples, which is so nice, so so different from uh, from uh, previous versions of iOS. And then the, uh, the group messaging features – uh, as somebody who does a lot of group messaging with my teammates, it's really nice to have a do not disturb or leave conversation button because, gosh, there's there's definitely a lot of times when you're like, OK, I don't need 20 text messages in, in five seconds. Um, and the fact that you can send and share your current location within messages rather than having to go through find my friends. That's a really cool way to organize someone for an event and actually reminds me a little bit of, of, of Glassboard, a uh, third-party iOS app. I don't think Glassboard actually has location services, but it allows group messaging to feel more like, oh, this is my private sort of little board where we can share attachments and share our locations and plan a trip uh, rather than just have a, having a, a conversation. And you can name them too. You know, I just I, I think there's a there's a lot of cool little features that they're using that they're sort of tweaking and, and making a lot more fun um, for the app. Okay. Well, again, fingers crossed that it actually works, and uh, and if it does, fingers crossed. <laughs> if it does, I think these are good new uh, new features. Uh, I like the idea of muting the thread, where it's just like, okay, I got everything I need to get out of this. I don't want to hear about this anymore. Uh, it would be terrific if that were also brought into email, where um, I could mute uh, reply all messages, for example. I got the first one. I don't want to hear another. Congratulations. Welcome to the company, Jojo. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I figure that's going to be solved through education rather than a feature. Uh, and now it's time to talk about Kello Concerts. If you love music, this is something you should check out. Quello Concerts is the world's largest collection of full-length HD concerts and music documentaries. You can instantly stream the best artists and performances of all time on your iPhone, iPad, iMac, Apple TV, and other major platforms like Android, Windows, Amazon, PlayStation, and Roku. It's got all kinds of great stuff. Full-length concerts from Lady Gaga, Death Cab for Cutie, The Decemberists, Elvis Costello and the Imposters, Fountains of Wayne, and more. Want to check out classics like Eric Clapton, Peter Gabriel, Genesis, Jethro Tull, and The Doors? You can do that, too. Or if you really want to go classic, you can go all the way back to Beethoven, Pavarotti, Wynton Marsalis, and B.B. King. Plus, there are amazing music documentaries as well. You can watch a whole concert or you be the artist and create a set list of your favorite performances from multiple artists to share with your audience of friends. That's right. You can stream that from any device for your and their listening and viewing pleasure. So just go to quelloconcerts.com slash VIP slash Macworld for a free trial to get a taste of how awesome this is. That's quello, Q-E-L-L-O, concerts.com slash VIP slash Macworld for a free trial. One more time, that's QELLOconcerts.com slash VIP slash Macworld for a free trial. 
Okay, so I think the score is now, uh, you've done five and I've done four. So I, I need to come up with one more. And that one more is going to be family sharing. Family sharing! And this is another one of those, gee, this was really hard uh, features. And now maybe it won't be so. And the idea is you've got all these devices around your house. You have many people with different kinds of media. So like my daughter may have certain kinds of music on her phone. And I've got different music that I've purchased on my iPad. My wife has different stuff on hers. And wouldn't it be great if within the same household you could share this media with each other in a sensible way and not a goofy way? And one of those ways in the past was to um, basically create an iTunes account for the entire family and tie it to a single credit card. And then everybody on their device would have to enter that information and then have access to this stuff. Uh, you were limited in ways and it just... It was a hoop to jump through that seemed unnecessary. Well, Apple's brought this family sharing thing. It is so little the same in that you create a single credit card account, tie everything to that, and then anybody that's uh, signed into family sharing that you've chosen to, to sign in will have access to that media. Plus, they add some parental controls. So if I've purchased an R-rated movie, for example, that I don't want my daughter to see, she can see the title of it and say, hey, I want to watch this too. And I can say, no, you may not, because a request will come into me, and I can then say, no, this is not appropriate for you. I will not share that with you. But I will share this music with you, and I will share these uh, e-books with you, for example. So um, convoluted before. Hopefully it's going to be very easily implemented uh, in the future. And uh, plus, you can define what is your family. This may be you and your housemates. It doesn't really, I don't think you have to produce you know, a marriage license and a DNA test to say, no, they really are in my family. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's really awesome. Um, and I think the credit card tie-in makes a total sense. Um, in terms of how it will work, I know some people are still kind of bummed that that's only related to purchases and it's like well is this the first step towards separate user accounts maybe please mm -hmm. uh so i think people are a little a little sad about that i know i i could use a couple of test user accounts even if i don't have proper family um but i do think this is a really nice step for apple in the right direction it reminds me a little bit of itools Oh, I remember iTools and oh, Dot Mac. Yeah. Way back they, they, they had yeah. they had a family program where you could have sort of a master account and uh, delegate accounts, which had you know a little bit of storage space and a little bit of you know access to certain tools. Uh, but the nice thing about the family accounts is that you could, it, when you grew up or left you know left the family and jaunted off on your own, you could split the account and say, oh well, I want to take you know my dot Mac account my my address and uh, create my own master account. I want to be off the family plan. Um, and it looks as though that, that will be able to happen here, which I think is is really neat. It allows you know it allows uh, kids to, to sort of grow up in Apple's ecosystem and take it with them when they uh, when they leave for for adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so good. Um, so those are our five top features each in no particular order. Uh, but before we go, there are a couple of things happening in the news that you noticed. Uh, what is one of those things? Oh, yeah. Well, um, Apple is officially split its stock seven ways. 
uh, which meant that that formerly really, really scary uh, high-priced Apple stock is now just a, an easy $93 uh, to buy into, although I think it may have risen since the opening this morning. Um, I, uh, I I think this will be really nice for people who are interested in picking up some Apple stock or were interested but thought that the uh, you know $500 price was maybe a, a bit too high for their price book. And now, you know, someone can buy two or three shares of Apple and, and not break the bank and feel pretty pretty positive about that, which is pretty cool. And also, you know, if you're a current Apple stockholder, boy golly, uh, you're going to you're going to make some money today, I think. I think it's so. Or at least you'll say, wow, look how many shares I have now. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happened is something about uh, Apple's job hunting. Yes, they're, they're looking for yeah. a new person to work <laughs> under Tim Cook. A new Katie Cotton. Um, according to Recode, they're, uh, they're looking uh, both internally and externally for someone to replace uh, the VP of uh, worldwide communication, corporate communications, uh, a.k.a. the master secrecy czar uh, who sort of takes care of making sure that PR doesn't spill too much. Uh, Natalie Karras and Steve Dowling, of course, are two very competent uh, potentials for replacements. Uh, but it looks like they're uh, they're looking outside as well. And uh, some a phrase that's being highlighted by, uh, by Recode is like, he's paying particular attention to those he believes could put a friendlier, more approachable face on Apple's public relations efforts, uh, which is... Maybe maybe another hint that Apple's Apple's PR uh, is is getting a little a little looser, a little less uh, frightening for journalists to come and approach. Yes, I think this is another possible stamp of the Tim Cook Apple that you can be competent, you can be tough as he is, uh, but you can also you know be polite and, and nice about it and i think people have had complaints about apple pr in the past where they weren't particularly nice about things they mm -hmm. don't return calls um they can be a little prickly to deal with sometimes and um so i read that piece i think you know obviously tim wants to establish an important relationship with um with whoever is running pr just as steve jobs did with katie cotton they had a um an interesting relationship i think she reflected very much the way Steve felt about the press. He was very tough. Uh, he was very keen on keeping things secret, and she implemented that beautifully to a T. Um, and it would be interesting to see how Tim approaches that. I think that he, as much as, as Steve Jobs, wants to surprise and delight people, but maybe he wants to do that with a softer edge, which certainly all of us in the media would love we you know we we want to we want to feel like you know we're not annoying apple pr by asking them questions um people who've been doing this for a while understand the ground rules that apple is not going to reveal secrets um but you know maybe they can soften that a little bit and and make those edges not quite so defined and, and talk a little bit about what they're currently working on without feeling like um you're asking them for the crown jewels exactly like replying to to questions about uh about certain features without it being a a state a state of national emergency right and and i mean you know as well as i do that there are certain outlets that get that callback right away um and there are others that don't and um so more parody would be good 
Um, although I think each of us has, you know, we have all our various particular um, relationships with members of Apple PR. I have a very good relationship with Apple's music folks because uh, that's what I write about. And they're terrific. When I have a question, they'll answer it. Um, other areas where I, I'm not abs- normally involved is can be a little dicier. Maybe I won't hear back something uh, that I have a question about. So, um, you know, for purely selfish reasons, I would like to see Apple PR a little more open than it has been in the past. Um, although I understand why they conducted things the way they did at one time under Steve and uh, and Katie, Apple was under attack a lot of the time, and um, and so their reaction doesn't seem entirely out of line, but I do think it's a new day for Apple. And if this really is kind of a new golden age for the company, I think their PR should reflect that. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens where. We will. Okay. Uh, in the meantime, I think we're done. So, done. Uh, <laughs> well, not really done because we're going to be writing about uh, We're going to be writing about WWDC came... till the cows come home, but. Yeah, but that's not bad because there was so much to digest. We came up with just 10 features, but um, boy, there was so much stuff announced at, uh, at this last keynote. So um, we'll be covering it both on this podcast and certainly with on uh, Macworld.com. And then when the real stuff comes out, we can write about that too. And then there's going to be new hardware, certainly in the fall. And, uh, and we'll talk about that as well. Just keep your eyes, eyes tuned, ears tuned. Uh, keep ears your tuned. computers, keep your computers favorited to macworld.com. Ah, <laughs> uh, nice plug for the site. Okay, so until next week, <laughs> uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another episode of the Macworld Podcast, brought to you by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow, send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com. Learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com slash macworld. And Kello Concerts, the world's largest collection of full-length HD concerts and music documentaries. 